We're going to start reading in verse 6 of John chapter 1. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to be the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We do pray that, Lord, as we take some time out of our busy schedules to come around your word tonight, that you would just guide us, you would help us, you would give uh, me wisdom, Father God, to know exactly what to say. That, Lord, I would be a blessing to everyone present. And that, Lord, we'd be able to leave this night rejoicing in the knowledge of our Savior. Guide our time, Father, as we look at truths that we already know. Father, may these truths which are old be ever new to us. Even this night, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem on that first Christmas day, his birth was largely unnoticed. I mean, most people didn't know he'd come. I'm sure the shepherds knew, and they went down to Bethlehem, and sure after they went around the streets of Bam, telling what they'd seen, people of Bethlehem knew, but... For the vast part of the world, the world just carried on as normal and didn't realize what had happened in Bethlehem on that first Christmas day. And although he came to be the savior of the world, he was a stranger on earth. And to me, he's still a stranger today. Sure, all the world celebrates Christmas and the birth of Jesus Christ, but they know not why Jesus came. And our country will celebrate Christmas time of year. There's going to be Christmas carols sung. Already has been in certain places. We've sung them in our town. They will sing them again in our town. They'll sing them in other towns. They'll sing them in the major cities. There will be Christmas carols sung. And there will be commemorations held with regard to the birth of Jesus Christ. But most people, even in Australia, won't know why Jesus came. Christ came as a stranger from glory almost 2,000 years ago to set us free. He came to redeem mankind. But too many Christ is still a stranger today. And although they celebrate Christmas, as I said, they have no idea why he came. Tonight I want us to remind us why Jesus came. As I said in the prayer, you know, this is not some new truths. These are old truths that we know well. But by as we make our way to Christmas, uh, my desire is to kind of refresh us about the joy of Christmas. And so tonight, I want us to have a look at why Jesus came. And John chapter 1, verse 10 to 13, explains to us the reason why he came. First of all, notice with me the rejection of the Messiah. In John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not. 
Now he, the he here is the he of verses 8 and 9. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighted every man that cometh in the world. So the he is the light that cometh the light of every man that cometh in the world. And verse 14 tells us who that light is. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. It's none other than Jesus Christ. And so he came. Jesus Christ came into the world. And notice that he came, first of all, as I said, into the world. He came into the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. That is, the inhabitants of the world, which were around in the time of Christ, and indeed the inhabitants of the world, which have been around since then, they came into the world, and they knew him not. They didn't know that he was the creator they didn't know who he was. John has just finished us here in this chapter about who Christ was. That he was, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not only made that was made, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's revealed to us who Christ is, and he says he was in the world, and the world knew not the Creator, was not known by the creation. They didn't acknowledge his mercies that they received from him. They didn't worship him. They didn't serve him. They didn't obey him. They didn't love him. They didn't fear him. The greater part of mankind didn't know him as the Messiah, the mediator, the savior, the redeemer. He came into the world and the world knew him not. Now, there was at first a general, general knowledge of Christ throughout all of mankind, throughout all of the world. From the very first promise in chapter 3, verse 15, where the Bible tells us that God would send one, the seed of a woman, who would crush the head of Satan. The promise of a redeemer, promise of a savior, it was known generally to the world from that day forth and by mankind from that day forth in general, people knew that there was a Savior coming. There was one to be born of a woman. And for a while, that knowledge continued. But in the process of time, being neglected and being slighted, it was forgotten and utterly lost to the greater part of mankind so that when Christ comes in Bethlehem of Judea and he comes unto the, into the world, the world that was made by him, they knew him not. They didn't know their creator. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know where he, where he, uh, where he come from. They knew nothing about him. They knew him not. And today, therefore, for the most part, the world receives him not. For the most part, the world rejects him. Sure, they'll celebrate Christmas. They'll sing the Christmas carols. They'll talk about a babe and a manger. They'll even sing Amazing Grace. But for the most part, the world has no idea who Christ is and why he came. He came into the world, the world he created, but they know him not. They fail to acknowledge him for who he is. They were unresponsive to the light, the light that he's talked about in verse 6. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. The same came for a witness, to witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, 
but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighted every man that came into the world. The light that came into the world, the, the light that shone in a dark place, the light that shone to reveal to mankind their need of a Savior, the light that exposed their sin, but also the light that showed the Savior. They did not see him. They rejected him. Christ came for all men, but to many he is a stranger. And the world may well celebrate his birth, but you know the sad thing is they reject him as their Savior. Therefore, they're still dead in trespasses and sins. And this Christmas time, you know, as you and I celebrate Christ's birth, and as you and I remember the true meaning of Christmas, you and I need to realize that the vast majority of people in this world today, most people that you and I talk to, may know about Christ, but they don't know Christ. They may know that a babe was born in Bethlehem, but they reject him as their Savior. And the thing is that Christmas is not about a babe in a manger. It's about a Savior who left heaven's glory to die upon the cross of Calvary to save men from their sins. He came into the world, the world he created. And still today the world knows him not. He is a stranger to the vast majority of men. And it's our responsibility to make him known, to make that light shine in this dark world today. Not only did he come to the world, but he also came to the nation of Israel. Verse 11 tells us he came unto his own. His own received him not. He came unto his own. Now, his own here speaks of his own land, his own country, his own countrymen. He came unto his own people. He came, not only did he come into the world, but specifically he came to Israel. He came to his own people. He came to his own land. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It's called his own because it was the place of his birth. Because it was to the chosen land of God, where God had chosen a people through Abraham, through which the seed of, of the Savior would come. Abraham's seed would ultimately be the Savior of the world. When God made a promise to Abraham, he said, By thy seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed. And so we know from the father Abraham and the nation of Israel would one day come that one who is the Lion of Judah, who is the kings, the Lord of Lords, of the seed of David, the rod of Jesse, Jesus Christ himself. And so it's called his land because, and his people because they were his chosen people. They were his favored people. They were the people set aside to be his witnesses. Over that people... God's law had been extended over that people. God had regarded them especially as his. They were my people who were called by my name, he said about them. His own, his own people. They were his people because God had chosen them to be above all other nations. He'd given them his laws. He protected them. He delivered them. He'd given them the land. He favored them. But notice what it says about them. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They didn't acknowledge him to be their Messiah. They didn't acknowledge him to be the one who was the 
seed of Abraham. They didn't acknowledge him to be of the seed of David. They didn't acknowledge him to be their king. They didn't acknowledge him as their Messiah. He came unto his own people, the very people that he loved and had chosen, who were the apple of his eye, and they received him not. They rejected him and put him to death. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, please. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. As he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hear as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. It says, we hid as it were our faces from him. They rejected him, and they put him to death. The world to which Christ came is represented by the nation of Israel. You know, the nation of Israel really just speaks... For the world, as they, as he came unto his own, and his own received him not, that's exactly what the world did. Israel's response reflects the response of the whole world. People are alike in every age. All the world rejected the Savior, and every man, woman, and child would reject the Savior if left to themselves, because all people by nature are wicked. There's no more certain and universal proof of this than the universal rejection of Jesus Christ by first of the nation of Israel and by mankind in general. Here we see the depths of man's sin. Christ came unto his own. He came to his own people, to his own land, and they received him not. They should have welcomed him, shouldn't they? You know, they had all of the Old Testament to point to him. Doesn't matter where you go in the Old Testament, what you see is a picture of Jesus Christ. Whether it be the book of Genesis, whether it be uh, the story of Noah, whether it be the story of, of the Exodus, whether it be the, all the rituals and all the, uh, the uh, sacrifices and the tabernacle, the temple, whether it be all the prophecies of the Old Testament, wherever you go in the Old Testament, what you see is the Word of God testifies to the coming of Messiah. And they should have known who he was. They should have known that when this one was born in Bethlehem of Judea, born of a virgin, there in Bethlehem, on that night, and the angels testified to the fact that, the, uh, that this one who was born in Bethlehem was none other than Jesus Christ, the Savior, Israel should have accepted him. They should have known who he was. But they rejected him and crucified him. He was a stranger to them. He's a stranger to our world today. Believers, let's not forget what Christmas is all about. It's time to remember and celebrate the coming of the Savior to earth. Let's not allow him to be a stranger to us this Christmas. Secondly, not only do we see the rejection, but we see the reception. Verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, them gave you power to become the sons of God, even the them that believe on his name. The reception. Even though the world and the Jewish nation in general refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ and reject him, 
There were those who did receive him. And John chapter 1 and verse 12 gives us this wonderful promise. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. They who acknowledge the personal work of Jesus Christ are given eternal life. But as many as... Now, the, but as many as here refers to verses 10 and 11. But as many as of the world who receive him, as many of the nation of Israel who receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's a wonderful truth. As many as anybody. This is the whosoever will of John chapter 1. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. As many as whosoever will may come. As many as receive him. To them give he power to become the sons of God. This, this salvation is not restricted to Israel. It's many as receive him. Whosoever will may come. You know, God loves the whole world. The interesting thing about this context is, if you go back to verse 11 of chapter 1, it says this, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Much as verse 11 tells about the nation of Israel, the context of this chapter is really about all men. He came that all men might believe. And then verse 12 tells us, as many as whosoever will believe will be saved. The word receive here means to take, to accept. And how do we receive or accept him? By believing on his name. That's the rest of verse 12. But as many as received him, they may have power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How do you receive him? By believing on his name. I just love the simplicity of the gospel. Here in John chapter, I mean, this is one of the most theological chapters of the gospel of John, isn't it? I mean, you think about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. That's a powerful statement. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's the creator. It goes on in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the, the glorious doctrine of the hypostatic union. I mean, this chapter is one of those most powerful chapters in the Gospel of John, and right in the midst of that is the simplicity of the Gospel. As many as receive him, how do you receive him? To those that believe on his name. As I was reading this again today, I, I, I just just took me again about the simplicity of it all. You know, we, we uh, you know, theologians want to try and complicate the whole thing of the doctrine of salvation, and yet John just puts it simply. I think you know this is why we give the Gospel of John to new converts, isn't it, to read? Because it's such a simple truth: as many as believe will receive and be saved. The word believe simply means to trust, place confidence in. So as many as appropriate, as many acknowledge, as many as welcome Christ, as many who exercise faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ are saved. When we came and accepted Christ's finished work upon the cross of Calvary, as dying for us personally and trusting for our salvation, 
you and I became the sons of God. That's God's promise here. Christmas is a time for reflection upon the wonderful truths. He may be a stranger to the world, folks, but to you and I, this is a delightful time of the year, isn't it? Because when we believed on him who left heaven's glory, became a babe in Bethlehem and died upon the cross of Calvary some 33 years later, when we believe on him, we became the sons of God. And you and I can rejoice this Christmas that Jesus Christ is not a stranger, he's our saviour. And we are sons of God. The rejection, the reception, then look at the regeneration in verse 13. It says in verse 12 and 13, but as many as received in them became, gave you power to become the sons of God, even then believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now here John reminds of the nature of the new birth. Is God's sovereign gift to man, not man's gift to man? Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Eternal life is not received by natural inheritance. Nobody's born a Christian. Nor is it through human effort. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, Titus 2.5 tells us. It's all of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. He's the one who empowers us to become the sons of God. We're not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. He gave the power to us to become the sons of God. Only personal faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and Calvary can bring about eternal life. Those who receive him are born of God, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of the man, but of God. He's done it all. So that you and I can experience God's, when we experience God's grace, you and I experience sins forgiven. You and I obtain a home in heaven. You and I are gloriously forgiven because of all he's done for us. It's not a product of natural birth, but by direct intervention of God. You know, I was thinking about that today. You know, this verse, verse 13, sets up John chapter 3. You know the story of Nicodemus? Nicodemus comes to Christ by night and and Christ preempts a question that Nicodemus has, and he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again, for you cannot see the kingdom of God except you be born again. Nicodemus says, can a man enter a second time his mother's womb and be born? And Christ said to him that you have to be born of the flesh, but you also have to be born of the Spirit. There has to be a new birth. And John chapter 1, verse 13 is fulfilled in John, or explained in John chapter 3. See, we're not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man. New birth is by the work of God. You must be born again. And in John chapter 3, when Christ talks to Nicodemus, he explains the doctrine of John chapter 1 and verse 13. 
And so if anybody reading the Gospel of John reads verse 3 and 13 doesn't quite understand it, they'll keep reading chapter 3. They will get an understanding of what is meant by that very truth. But you know, we can see the relationship to God by can it be explained simply by some fleshly work or by man planning and executing a plan. This verse makes it explicitly clear to you and I, or implicitly clear, I'm not sure which word it's supposed to be, I think it's implicitly, implicitly clear to you and I that salvation is a work of God and God alone, no human endeavor can achieve the spiritual birth. God alone and save. You and I are saved by Christ alone and grace alone and faith alone. That's how you and I are saved. Sure, there's a need to acknowledge that we have a need. Sure, there's a need to acknowledge that we're sinners before a holy God. Sure, there's a need for you and I to come to God and acknowledge that Christ is the only means of salvation. And by faith we appropriate that salvation to us, but the work is done of God. We're born again of God. And I trust tonight, praise God for his Son and the salvation that is ours in Christ. This Christmas, let's praise God for our Savior and the gift of salvation. Let's not allow him to be a stranger in our homes. But let's exalt him as our wonderful Savior. Let's remember John chapter 1. That Jesus Christ came to give eternal life to as many as received him by believing on his name. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you, Father God, for this reminder in your word that salvation is all of you and you alone. It's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to your mercy you saved us. That we be born again, that we need to be born of water, we need to be born physically first, but then we need to be born of the Spirit. That the new birth is all a work of God. And Father, may we remember that this Christmas. May we rejoice in the knowledge that we are the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And may we boldly proclaim to our world that Savior who was born for their sins. So that he might die in their place upon the cross of Calvary. Father, just bless this night as we go to prayer. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.